Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are going to Nice to be back with a little Sabres Live Overtime, Marty. And, you know, the offseason allows us the chance to breathe and also reflect, especially for you, having been a player and risen through the ranks, to sit back and think of those who've had an influence on you yeah. and your path through the career. Oh, absolutely. And uh, some of those names from when I was drafted in 95, I mean, I was on stage with, obviously, John Muckler was a GM, but Don Lewis, Larry Carrier, and then my first season at 18, getting called up, and Teddy Nolan was coaching, but on the bench was Don Lever and Terry Martin. And there was so many of those Sabres alumni that helped us, to our generation, to learn and navigate through the ups and downs, and, and T was one of those guys. So um, I am so uh, excited for the opportunity to spend the time to talk about his path and his career. So it's great. A lot of memories for Terry Martin along the way. And when you're serious about the game, bet on Buffalo with the only sports books in Western New York, Seneca resorts and casinos, betting counters are open daily and self-service betting kiosks are available 24 seven at all three locations. Whether you visit Seneca, Niagara, Allegheny or Buffalo Creek, the sports lounge features the latest lines and multiple screens. So you never miss a play the sports book at Seneca resorts and casinos where the love of the game meets the thrill of the win. Now, Terry Martin. Terry, it is great to see you, and we must start with congratulations on your first Stanley Cup. What is that feeling like? Well, Duffer, I got to be honest, it's, it's, a, it's a little overwhelming. Uh, I tell everybody I've been chasing that thing for 47 years, and I finally, finally got one. Uh, as we all know, that thing's not easy to win. And as you get older, you find out really how difficult it is to win. So, I mean, you're obviously a scout with the Colorado Avalanche and you have your Buffalo connection. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but who were you impressed with in that run? Like, I mean, there's so many big names, but is there one of them that you were so impressed with that you have to single that person out? Well, there's two people, in my opinion. Obviously, Kale McCarr. And uh, when we picked up Lekanen from Montreal, he he was a big piece uh, you know, he's that Swiss Army knife that can win in any situation, play with anybody, and he scored some big goals for us. What was on your report? When you watch Montreal, they, were you the one that got that trade done? Were you the one that says, hey, I listen, this is, uh, this is the guy we got to get? Listen, Marty, you always take credit for that, but seriously, no. Uh, Garth Joy, who's our one of our pro scouts, he lives in Ottawa, so he sees uh, Ottawa and Montreal just like I see Buffalo and Toronto all the time, okay. so... So, so Garth was really the guy that was really pushing for Lekkonen at the trade, trade deadline. Did you have a really good feeling and maybe a different feeling this year, Terry, going into the playoff run, just based on how everything had been going for the Avalanche? Well, I got to be honest with you. I knew we had a good team, but when I really look back, and I've asked this question to a lot of people in, in our, on our management team, I felt last year's team was a deeper team. And uh, I've asked that question to Joe and, and Chris McFarland, and they said, yeah, you know what? Maybe we were up front, but uh, we were better on defense this year. You know, when we picked up Josh Manson and, uh, you know, that was, that was a big addition for us. So, you know, 
we've we had some failures as as everybody knows in the previous mm-hmm. three years we got, got bumped in the second round but uh last year's team and this year's team were two pretty good teams so how many years is that with the colorado avalanche for you Marty, believe it or not, it's 16 years I've been with Colorado. 16 years. Um, so you've you've dealt with different GMs, different coaches. Um, how does this group differ from you know past experiences? I working with Joe Sakic. I mean, he was always one of my favorites uh, growing up in in Quebec City. And and Jared Bednar, believe it or not, I played with Jared Bednar in Rochester for. A short time. Like all I remember about him was his hair. He had the long hair. But how does does your interaction with with those guys? How does it change from past, uh, uh, you know, front office? Well, first of all, Marty, I remember that because I, I still was with the Sabers when when yeah. uh, you and Bender were were down in Rochester. Uh, um, as far as Joe Sakic, the calming influence, as we all know, just a world class individual. Um, And Jared's sort of the same demeanor, although, you know what, from what I understand, you know, I'm not in the dressing room, obviously, but I guess he can put the hammer down when it needs to be put down. But, you know, he's a player's player's coach, and they all all love playing for him. What led you to Colorado after your final season with Buffalo in 05-06? Was there a connection there within their organization that allowed you, uh, presented this opportunity for you? Well, I knew Brad's Motor City Smitty quite well. Uh, You know, I didn't play with Brad uh, with the Maple Leafs, but I knew knew him, obviously. And uh, Garth, I knew a little bit. And I just felt it was time to get out of Buffalo. And, uh, you know, the the opportunity presented itself. And so I, I moved on. What's that? What's that world like if if you decide to make a switch? Do you start making tons of phone calls to to people you know? Are you going through interviews? Like what's I I only know from playing, right? You either are a free agent and your agent takes care of it and or you get traded. Like, did you have somebody helping you with the transition or is it just you at your office and making the phone calls? Marty, you being an ex-player, you should know better. That's what you call tampering. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not tampering if you're not working for anybody, you know. Yeah, but 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 I was still under I was still under contract with, with Buffalo at the particular time. Okay, so you worked it. You worked yourself a nice little <laughs> secondary gig. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Statute of limitations is passed, Terry. We're all <laughs> <You're> good. good. <laughs> Hey, is, is there a, a player, though, that you were involved significantly, in your opinion, in, in, in the acquisition, you well, know, well, on, on to Colorado? Well, I, I think the one that comes to mind is Kadri, myself. Uh, um, when we had traded Matt Duchesne, and I forget what year it was, uh, I think it was 2017-18, mm-hmm. um, I believe we played San Jose Sharks in the second round that year. And we took him to game seven. And the first period, Nathan McKinnon hurt his shoulder. And we had nobody that could move up from a second line to a first line. Uh, We really didn't even have a second line center. And so after the season was over, you know, obviously we talk all the time. And uh, I just said, we need to get somebody in a situation like this that if Mac gets hurt, can move up and, you know, Cadre got into trouble in the playoffs as, as well documented. Um, 
and he had a fantastic contract at the time, a fantastic contract. So it was, it was like a glove for me. And so we made the deal for, for Naz and uh, obviously it worked out well for, for both sides. Well, you talk about a fantastic contract. How much does that weigh in into your reports when you watch in pro games? Because very different, the pro scouts to the amateur scouts, the amateur scouts, they don't have to deal with contracts. It's just looking at the young kids coming in for the draft or, you know, you sign free agent college players or whatnot. But for you in your report, when you watch the pro game, how does the contract factor in into, you know, your notes at the end of the day, when you submitted them uh, into your GM? Well, obviously, in the back of your mind, you always got, you know, what the guy makes, and you're wondering if you can fit it into into your salary cap. But ultimately, just put we just put our reports in, and that's the upper management to try to figure that stuff out. Are you still doing paper and pens, or do you have a computer? Because we just saw a great clip of Jason Spezza as the at the Hilinka tournaments, where he's got the 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 notepads and he's writing notes, and he's like new into the business. He's noting everything. So, yeah. do you pad and paper, pen and paper, or computer? Well, when you go to the game, it's uh, pad and paper, and and I, I did happen to see that about Jason on on the t on the computer last night. It was yeah. sort of comical, but like the reporter said at the time, you know, this is all new to Jason, so you got to get to know the players. So you're jotting down little notes as the game goes on, and then when you get home, whether it's that night or the next morning, you file your report. Terry, what's life like for you in a normal season? Uh, forget about COVID and stuff like that. We're hoping that's behind us. And for the majority of your career, we haven't been dealing with a pandemic. How many games are you going to? How often are you filing these reports? And how often are you in, you know, maybe larger meetings with the, the hockey operations department for your team? Well, I usually see, without COVID, I usually see probably anywhere from 120 to 150 games a year. Um um, with with COVID, obviously we did a, we did a lot of uh, video scouting. Um, so you do your you go to your games, you file your reports. As far as as I'm my job, I got uh, a lot of the East Coast here, um, uh, both uh, both the AHL and the NHL. So you 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 know, at, at, it just it just seems to flow somehow. So and obviously you you watch a lot more NHL games, Terry. But like, do you get requests sometimes? Like, hey. We need you to go see this player in the AHL or this specific teams uh, because a trade could be eminent. Is there that request sometimes too? Oh, absolutely, Marty. And I can go back all the way when when I was with Buffalo with you. I remember getting a phone call from uh, John Muckler. Get up to Portland, Maine. I want you to see J.P. Dumont uh, uh, play because, you know, he was with the Islanders at that particular yeah. time. And uh it was one of those ones. I still remember to this day, I was driving back from Syracuse. It was a Friday night and I get home and I, I got a message. You got to get up to Portland, Maine tomorrow to watch JP play. So, so it, it, it's all good, but I must admit, as you get a little bit older, the traveling gets a little more difficult. Well, that I was going to save this to the end, but <laughs> are you contemplating retirement now that you have a Stanley cup? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm planning on, slowing down let's just put it that way Duffer. Um, yeah. you know it's i got you know life's short as we all know and want to spend some time with my wife and my daughter and my grand dogs the grand dogs very important you gotta you, you gotta take care of uh, them for sure um 
I, I want to bring this up because I don't want to forget and I have it on my mind right now. So I think it was last year, the year before, we we're talking about you to uh, Rob Ray. And I said, oh, remember Razor when Teddy Nolan was on the bench with Don Lever and Terry Martin and Razor goes, Terry was never a coach in Buffalo. I'm like, yes, Terry was an assistant coach in Buffalo. I remember I got called up that year as an 18 year old and he was on the bench. Razor didn't remember that. I mean, he took a few punches to the head, but um, after transitioning from, you know, buying the bench to the, the scouting and the development side, did you miss being back on the bench? Uh, well, first of all, let's get back to Razor. <laughs> my my first year in Rochester was 89-90, and uh, that was Razor's second year in, in Rochester. With us. So, obviously, I've known Razor a long time, and he's taken a few punches to the head, as we all yeah. know. But, uh, but uh, yeah, I was assistant coach that, that one year with with the with, with the Sabres. Um, uh, transition, Marty, I got to be honest with you. I always felt that that was my, my, that was my forte anyways, was uh, evaluating talent and out in the field. So I had zero issues moving from uh, coaching to the scouting department. But why did you move to coaching immediately after your playing days? I mean, there was no gap at all. You went from playing in the AHL to right behind the bench with Toronto in the OHL. Well, it was an opportunity, Duffer. I, I'd always thought about it, uh, you know, when I was winding down my career, what it would be like. So, uh, you know, I was offered the Toronto Marley job in the OHL back in 87, 88, I believe. Uh, I coached there two years and then, um, a funny story here, and I, I owe a lot of debt to my good friend Don Luce because he was obviously the head scout for the Sabres at the time. And I was just doing a little research last night. So in in 89-90, which was my first year in Rochester, the Sabres were turning a lot of first-year players pro that year. And John Van Boxer, was he was just solely, strictly the coach. They had no assistant coach, so they were, and I'll name some of these players off to you that they turned pro that year. Donald Odette, Darren Shannon, Bobby Corkum, Kenny Sutton, Darcy Lowen, Joel Savage, Brad Miller, Dave Whitman. So there was a lot of young kids that needed after, after practice work. So that was one of the reasons why uh, I got hired was certainly Don Luce had pushed me toward, towards uh, Jerry Meehan, who was the general manager at the time. So everything worked out very well. And, and I must admit, Marty, you played there. My six years in Rochester were probably six of the best years of my life there. We had, we had great teams, not good teams. We had great teams. We went to the Calder Cup finals three out of the six years. Unfortunately, we lost all three of them. You had, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then they won it the year that you went to Buffalo. They won the Calder Cup in 95-96. You remember Buffalo. That so, is correct. Uh, John Tortorella was the coach. Torts was yeah. the coach, and uh, they had Steve Shields and Nat and, uh, uh, man, Dane Jackson and yeah. uh, all the guys there. Uh, Craig Sharon, Sharky was there. But um, you talked about guys, I mean, Donald Odette, what a character in the game. And I remember playing with him twice in Buffalo when I first came up, and then he came back later in his career a second time. Uh, for a playoff run, but guys in Rochester, you coach Jody Gage and Scotty Metcalf, and you talk about Razor. Any of those guys, like characters of the game that, you know, you go to a golf tournament and you just have stories to tell and tell about certain players? Well, the best story I've got with Donald, and uh, Donald, when he came from the Quebec Junior League, 
Believe it or not, Donald was at the goal scorer that he was. He had gone 10 straight games without a goal. So on the 11th game, I grabbed his stick. I said, give me your stick. What do you mean, give me your stick? I said, give me your stick. So I, I put two little eyes on the, on the, between, by the blade and the shaft. He scored five goals that night. He went on to win the rookie of the year. And, and every, every, every time he was in a little bit of a slump, he said, here, here, give me, here's my stick. Put the, put the eyes on it. <laughs> <laughs> so is that the single best advice or hand that you lent to a player as a coach? Well, I also told, I also gave Donald a little bit of other advice. As we all know, Donald used to like to score goals. Yeah. He didn't like his own end so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so when he was with the Atlanta Thrashers back in the day, you know, he could score goals and didn't have to back check. And uh, he signed a free agent contract with Dallas Stars. And I said, Donald, why are you signing that contract with Dallas? Well, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, well, now you're going to have to back check with Ken Hitchcock. So to this day, every time I see Donald, he says, I know, I know, I know. I should have taken your advice. Uh, Donald would always say, and Razor always says, Donald Odette, what did I do? What did I did? What did I did? Every time he came back to the bench and coaches would be like saying, Donald, like, what did I did? What did I did? Like, that was always his go-to line. Like, he just pretended he didn't understand what the coach was saying just because of the English-French barrier, but he knew exactly what they wanted to do. He just didn't want to do it. Oh, that's, you, you've got Donald down to a T. <laughs> but I'll <laughs> tell you what, he was one great little goal scorer, I'll tell you. Oh, yeah. Man, he could yeah. score goals. Hey, Terry, I'm not surprised that one of the first names of Sabre alum and uh, and obviously, you know, people that have, have stayed and become a, a big part of this community, you know, one of the first names you brought up was Don Luce. I am curious to know your relationship with Don Lever, John Van Boxmeer, and others that are from that era. Obviously, you talked of coming into Rochester and coaching with Van Boxmeer, and and we all know that John, longtime scout in the organization, uh, Donnie Lever, you then were working with behind the bench, and I feel like I've seen you with him as much as I've seen you with anybody in the course of of your careers. So, uh, how do you talk about you know what what do you say about these guys and and some of the others that you've been so close with? Well, obviously, they're they were two great coaches and two great individuals, and. I don't see I don't see Boxy as much anymore because he lives out on the West Coast in LA. I see Donnie all the time because Donnie does virtually the same job that I do with the Chicago Blackhawks. So I see Donnie quite a bit. Uh, not so much in the summer anymore because he doesn't golf with us. He's you know he's got family commitments with his. I think he's got seven grandkids now. So yeah. uh, I don't see him as much, but uh, very they help me a lot along the way. The, the one thing I remember my first training camp was this, the, before the 95, 96 season. And uh, I don't know if it was you or Donnie, but one of you two said, Oh, you French guys, all we need for you is a Pepsi, a jewelry and players cigarette. Like that's, <laughs> and I think it was you that used to say that, like the people that don't know the jewelry, it's like a, a, a dessert kind of like cup, uh, not cupcake, but a little cake thing or whatever. So you used to say, French guys, we need to teach you how to play hockey and get rid of the Pepsi, the Joe Louis, and the player's cigarette. That's, that's, I still remember that. And that's in 1995. Yeah. Well, the, Marty, you know, coming from Quebec, you'd, you'd go up to the old Montreal Forum and 
everybody be drinking Pepsi, smoking a cigarette, and eating Joe Louis or one of those tasty hot dogs they had at the forum. Yeah, definitely. We had a few of them at the draft, so uh, yeah, that, those were good. We did. I, we. I brought you one did. duffer. I went down I and uh, fetched a few hot dogs. Hey, I was um, when you Terry, when you look back at your your time with the Sabers. More so, you know, I, I would say in the, the coaching, but also the, the scouting and director of, of pro scouting, it, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a fascinating window of time. Like when, when you took that position, when you had, you had your season uh, on the bench with Ted Nolan, but then you, you became a, a member of the scouting department and oversaw the pro side of it. But you're talking about teams that went to the final four, the finals, and then bankruptcy and then coming out of it to launch into yeah. what we always talk about is 0506 and, 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 and what became of that. How do you look back at that period of time? Well, Duffer, as you all know, time flies and you just, the seasons pass so quickly. Um, you know, but we had some good teams here. We had some very good teams. Uh, we had some challenging times, obviously, when we were going through bankruptcy, but uh, you know, the 99 when we went to the finals there and no goal everybody knows about that you know you know who knows if we could have won that game and got it to a game seven because from what I understand right now Dallas was pretty banged up and listen I'm going to take my chances all day long with Dominic Hatching in that in a game seven um, you know and then then when we got beat by Carolina with all our injuries there um, we had a chance to maybe win that year too. Unfortunately, it wasn't to be, but, uh, we had, we had, we had some good teams here. We had some real good teams here. Really good teams. Um, we had Jerry Fortin on the uh, pod. He's the uh, director of amateur scouting with the Sabres. We asked him, is there one player that you wished you guys had selected, uh, in a draft? And he pointed out to Charlie McAvoy right away. That was the Alex Nylander uh, draft. And he said, Oh, I wanted Charlie McAvoy, but we didn't pick him and whatnot. So your role is different in the pro scouting department, but is there one player that you guys had over the years that is with Colorado or Buffalo that you guys were at the table at your, at your uh, scout meetings or at the trade deadline and you really pushed for and then didn't happen. And you still think, man, with that player, we would have been different. Well, uh, I don't like to bring up a lot of names, but you asked me the question and uh, this goes back with Colorado. And, and once again, Marty, I've, I have nothing to do with the amateur side. So yeah. we don't, we don't sit in on those meetings. I don't know how their lists go so forth and so on, but, um, and I don't know what year it was, but uh, it was David Pasternak's draft year, whatever draft year that was. We, we took a kid by the name of Connor Bleakley, two picks before David Pasternak. Uh, and we didn't even end up signing Connor Bleakley yeah. and he ended up being a career minor leaguer. Um, so, you know, I, looking back, that would probably stung. You imagine if Colorado had Pasternak on top of McKinnon and Landis Gog and Rantanen and all yeah. those guys. I was just going to say though, it did a pretty good job landing Rantanen where, where he was taken and, uh, yeah, it has paid off handsomely. You know, well, let, let's face it, Duffer, you know, getting Kale McCarr to slide two was, was, a was a was a bit of a coup here for us too and yeah. obviously you can't forget the Matt Duchesne trade that's got sort of things got things rolling here we got we got a got a bit of a nice haul with the Matt Duchesne trade but that that credit all goes to uh, Joe and Chris for for putting those deals together because we all know 
it's tough making trades in the National Hockey League. Matter of fact, I get a little chuckle out of listening to the talk show radio and people will call in, well, why don't you trade this guy for that guy? Well, they always want the other team's best player. I want to give you <laughs> their, their worst <laughs> player. You're saying, you're saying, I'm saying to myself, come on, man. You know, no, who's going to do that? Yeah, but then, and then the flip side now, though, is, is it, it sometimes happens because teams get in a salary cap bind and, and a team like Carolina gets Max Pacioretty for free. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that how, happens. How- that happens. It's like, it's like, I mean, uh, you know, there was trades happening back in the days that you didn't understand, right? And obviously, maybe there was money exchange or whatnot. It wasn't as publicized as it is now, but um, there is guys like Patchetti, which you, I'm sure you've seen plenty of time as a as a pro scout and pretty special player. But cap squeezes, and I'm sure you guys talk about it all the time with your meetings. When the cap squeezes you out, you got to go find cheaper players that will have a production. That's got to be a tough part of the job now, trying to find these uh, these these pearls. I I won't say these unicorns, Duffer, because I know you don't <laughs> like the term, but these special players with low costs. Well, Marty and Duffer, you don't have to go any further than our team last year. You know, we had to basically get rid of Burakovsky and and Kadri because of uh, our salary cap situation. You know, uh, Nathan McKinnon's contracts, you know, coming up here uh, after next year. And I think we all know what he's going to be demanding. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to make hard decisions in, in today's game. You know, I'm sure Tampa Bay didn't like getting rid of all their their complete third line there two years ago and then have to get rid of Ryan McDonough this summer. But that, Chicago, that's, that's the reality of the cap world. Chicago did that a few years back when they had to get rid of uh, Bufflin and everybody, but mm. try to put it together and you try to have people like you uh, finding these, these, these valued contracts and players that will perform and fill in a need. Um, but I, I want to go to your hockey career. I don't know, Duffer, if you allow yeah, me good. to make the transition, but I mean, you came in, you turned pro the year after the Sabres made it to the cup finals against Philadelphia. So you only played one year with the Sabres that year, but then in 76, 77, you were full-time on the job. So um, how was that for you to come into Buffalo at that time where things were really clicking with the locker room and obviously with the players they had? Well, Marty, you're absolutely correct. I got drafted that, that, uh, that summer and Unlike the, the kids today, which I feel is, is great for the kids, you just, you just finished your junior career off and you came right to camp. You had no introduction to any of these players. I still remember, because we always had training camp in St. Catharines. I yeah. still remember walking into the old uh, St. Catharines Arena and you're bumping into Gilbert Perot, Jim Schoenfeld, Rick Martin, Randy Mobert, the whole crew. I was so intimidated. I almost crap my pants <laughs> 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 and, 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 and you're saying to yourself what am I doing here I don't belong here and it takes a while to get over get over that hump and that's what I think the young kids have got an advantage now they come to development camp you know for a couple of years they get sent back to junior and uh, they're, they're better prepared than we were and it, it was it was intimidating I must admit it was intimidating that first year and Obviously, a very, very good team. Hey, Marty, did you know, given that we started the show and Terry acknowledged that he's been chasing the Stanley Cup for about 47 years, Mm -hmm. did you know that he actually won a championship in his first year as a pro? 
Uh, no, I did not know that. Charlotte, baby, in the Southern Hockey League, right? Yeah. Um, back back in, in 75, 76, my first year pro, there was only eight American Hockey League teams. So uh, there was 16 or 18 teams back then. You know, so we, a lot of teams shared uh, uh, clubs. Uh, and in our case, Buffalo's case, Buffalo and Pittsburgh shared in, in, uh, in Hershey. And I wasn't getting a lot of ice time in Hershey. So I got sent down to Charlotte in the Southern League. And we, had, we ended up winning the championship down there that year. Wow. Top, uh, top scorer of the team that year? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> As a first-year pro guy coming out of the uh, OHA, like uh, I, I would have thought right there, 50 goals right away. Boom. His numbers were decent. He's, he's being modest here. Hey, Marty, I, I like that. You, you said the OHA, and you're absolutely correct. Back when I played, it was the Ontario Hockey Association. Now, yes. obviously, the, the Ontario Hockey League. London Knights graduate. Um, when you did come up the next year with Buffalo, it was about 15 games into the season, and you scored your first goal at Madison Square Garden. What do you remember about it? Um, I still, I still remember we had played the night before in Springfield. I was with Hershey again and I got, I got the call. So I, I believe it or not, you know, you look back in the day, Springfield to, to New York city is not that far. No. I ended up flying to New York city and check, checking, checking into the hotel. And it was a, it was a blur. All I remember was a rebound popped out and it, I was in the slot and, and put it home and you just it, everything happens so quickly now that you, like I'll lie in bed at night now and I'll just say I'll think of people and I'll think of all the people that got got me to where I am today and it's just, it's overwhelming at times who was in that for the Rangers in uh 76 77 Gilles Gratton Gilles Gratton hey wait so <laughs> I have it on my mask so was he wearing the lion mask like this uh, back then well, or if he was, I wouldn't have scored because I would have been intimidated by that. <laughs> he's a he's definitely a character of the game. We could do a whole podcast on Gilles Graton and his uh, beliefs uh, yeah. and reincarnation and all of that. So, and who did you play with? Uh, you know, when you first, uh, well, when you had your first goal, but when you first got going with Buffalo, who was on your line, and how did it all come together? Well, basically, Marty, it all came together because. Uh, uh, the year before, Punch had traded uh, Larry Carrier for Jacques Richard, and Jacques uh, had some issues, and so yeah. so uh, Punch sent him down to Hershey. That's how I got my break. He called up. Uh, as far as who who I was who I was playing with, I have no idea. All as I know, all, <laughs> all, all, all as I know is Jerry Korov and Billy Hyde assisted on my first goal. Yes, nice. see, your memory is so sharp. And now I, I, I was going to do the research myself, but my guess is because you've probably kept in touch significantly with Bill over the years. Uh, Bill Height had four assists in that game, and I'm thinking that had to have been a career night for him. I think that was Joe Jovera nut. No, no, no. Bill, Billy, Billy was, as we all know, Billy was a great, great, great stay at home defensive defenseman. But yeah, four assists, that, that's, that's a huge night for Billy. Huge but, night. but not Marty, you're not going to believe this. And I wasn't trying to skip over it, but we we're just kind of bouncing around there. Terry, can you confirm 
that the season prior to you scoring your first goal, you did come up for one game and it was one of the more memorable games in Sabres early franchise history. Yes, I did come up for one game. It was against the Washington Capitals. And I, I forget the score was like 12 to 14 to two, 14 to two. Yeah. <laughs> for the good guys. For the good guys. Okay, good, good. good. <laughs> Ronnie you wouldn't Lowe, be bringing it up if it was the other way around. Ronnie Lowe gave up 10. Rick Martin scored four. Ooh. Freddie Stanfield had three. Danny Garrett, five points. Lucen Perot had four. Yeah, it was it was quite a night. I just laughed when I saw that that was the one game. Like, what a, what a, what a moment to arrive in the NHL, I'm thinking for you. So, some pretty good players there, wasn't there? Oh, man, some man. really, really good players. Uh, now... You, you're in Buffalo for three full seasons, really. And then uh, 79, 80 happens. And uh, man, you, you, you picked up some miles in that season where you went Syracuse in the AHL, New Brunswick in the AHL, Quebec for three games in the NHL. And then you end up in Toronto. But most people would think Terry Martin, Buffalo Sabres, Toronto A Police, but three games in Quebec City. Um, how, how did that come about? And, and that year, what was it like for you to to just be on the go all the time. Well, if you remember, Marty, back in 79-80, the expansion draft came in. The four, yeah. WHA, four WHA teams were merged with the National Hockey League, and every team had to lose four players off their roster. Off their roster. And uh, unfortunately, and maybe fortunate, I was one of those guys. Uh, Lee Fogelman, he went to Edmonton. Ron Arashenkoff went to Edmonton. And Dave, David Given went to Hartford. Um, it was a sad day for me, um, but I look back on it, it was probably the best day of my life because I was stuck in mud here a little bit and largely to do with, they had really good teams. Like, let's be honest here. You I was never going to play ahead of Rick Martin. I was never going to play ahead of Craig Ramsey. Tony McKegney came along, great goal scorer. So, uh, it gave an me an opportunity to move on. So I got picked up by Quebec in the expansion draft and, uh, I got sent to Syracuse and then uh, then got traded to the Maple Leafs and uh, they sent me to New Brunswick right away. And then I got called up just before Christmas to the Maple Leafs. Were you there for the very first NHL game in Quebec City? No, I was not. No, so you were down. Okay. Because yeah. I know I, I heard the story. And so my favorite player growing up was Real Cloutier. Buddy Cloutier was my, like I had a number nine Buddy Cloutier jersey. And years later, they came up with these DVDs about the history of the Quebec Nordics in the WHA and then the NHL. And Buddy Cloutier, in his all-confident self, said, I was a pretty good goal scorer in the WHA. I didn't know I was going to do in the NHL. And before our first game, I got up in the room and I said, boys, I'm going to get three goals tonight. And I went out there and I got three. The only problem is they lost like six to four. But yeah. he made sure to point out he got his three goals in the first game in the NHL. So I didn't know if you could verify that or not. But um, yeah, they had they had uh, a few young players on that team for sure. Yeah, well, um, Michelle Goulet was on that yep. that first year team. They they had some good players, and and Buddy could score. He could score. Yeah, definitely. Did you ever uh, feel any sense of uh, nostalgia <laughs> that never quite happened whenever you would play against the uh, Whalers, given that you were drafted by them in the WHA? Uh, not, not really, Duffer, you know, yeah. because uh, when I got drafted, I got drafted the Sabres, obviously, and, and the, they were called the New England Whalers back in, back in that day. And uh, mm -hmm. my intention was always NHL first. So uh, not really, but you know what? I, I like playing the old Hartford Arena. 
I still I still don't mind going there to scout the uh, the wolf pack too. Hey Marty, were you were you on that that Calder Cup team uh, or? Calder we lost to we lost to Providence in 98 99 and the 99 2000 team um I wasn't there on that team when they lost to Hartford but yeah right, so that right. was Mika Noren and uh that was back to back years for Rochester going to the finals and not winning um but yeah they they still played the uh the goal song in Hartford that they used to back in the Whalers days for the uh, Hartford Wolfpack uh, they've changed up but that was a great tune I like that tune <laughs> you, you you probably didn't like it as much so <laughs> uh no i didn't like it as much although i didn't play in hartford all that often because the whalers were gone by the time i got in the league it was down to carolina and just played there maybe a handful of right. times against the Wolfpack, and we were really good in rochester in my last uh you know couple of years so that was good uh toronto so now you find yourself in toronto and I mean, the rivalry Buffalo-Toronto, although different at the time, because mm -hmm. I, I don't know, they may have been in different conferences when you started in, in 79-80 or, or it moved to the Western Conference shortly after. But uh, how was that being in Toronto and knowing that there was that, that close proximity to Buffalo and that rivalry a little bit? Well, I, I got to be honest here, guys. Um, I grew up in Barrie, Ontario, which is about 50, maybe 60 miles due yeah. north of Toronto. And back when I was a kid, you only got one game a week. One game a week. That was Hockey Night in Canada. And we got Toronto Maple Leafs games. So I grew up a huge, huge Maple Leaf fan. I could probably name all the players off that 67 Stanley Cup teams. Unlike you being probably being in France, you were probably a Montreal Canadian fan back then. Oh, I hated them. Hated they them. Hated I grew them. up. I grew up a Nordiques fan, and uh, yeah, so I hated Montreal. But yeah, I could name pretty much everybody on the – you know, the Quebec teams in the early goings when uh, Michel Bergeron was coaching. So kind of like you with the Leafs, probably that were my, they were my team. So, so getting back to the Leafs, um, it was like a childhood dream. Um, and that's really where my, where I, I really started to take off and mature yes. as a player. Uh, so I had, uh, I was there uh, four and a half years, uh, had, had a lot of success there. And then, uh, I got sick one year and uh, then I got old and then I went into retirement. <laughs> well, you, as we mentioned earlier, transitioned quickly into coaching. I, I'm curious, given your success in Toronto, your roots in Ontario, um, why and when did you put down significant roots here in Western New York? Well, Duffer, like all... Oh, man, I married a great wife. She's a Buffalo girl. And uh, I, listen, I got to be honest, I loved it here in Buffalo when I played here. So, yeah. you know, when, when we got married, you know, Buffalo was probably always going to be home for us. So we moved back in 85 or 86, one of those years. So we've been wow. here ever since. People, people don't under, realize that, that they say, well, you scope for Colorado, you know. Why aren't you in Colorado? I said, everything's done on computer here now. You go to your games, you, you file your reports on the computer and hit a button and it goes right out to Colorado. Yeah. When you get up to the arena and you're scouting a game and you have Donnie Lever there and you have Rick Dudley there and you have all these guys that you, I mean, you played against, you played with, um, 
it, it, I, I like, like I go up to the press box and Duffer would know first I go get my dinner on the press box and I'm supposed to only be there five minutes and I spend a half hour because I see everybody up there. Uh, is it a big reunion? Is it fun to just be in that environment with these guys and, and just watching hockey, but more importantly, just having these conversations? Absolutely. Marty, I think you could ask pretty well every hockey player, does he miss playing? And they'll all say, no, we don't miss playing. <laughs> you, 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 you miss being around the guys. That's what you enjoy. Like yeah. we talked about our alumni golf tournament coming up here. Those are the things you look forward to is seeing the guys and busting each other's chops and telling stories. That's what it's all about nowadays. Who have you learned the most from? Don Luce. Really? Don Luce. No question. You know, he was my mentor. Uh, you know, you, you, you think you know a lot when you come out of the game and rather it's on manage. Well, you, you have no idea as a player on, from management side until you get on management side. And we just talked about salary cap, hard, hard decisions, stuff like that. But just his overall knowledge of the game and uh, and how to scout, what to look for, so forth and so on. So there's no, there's no doubt he, he was, he was the guy that taught me the most as far as scouting. I try to teach him as much as I can on the golf course, but I, I quit now. I, ref, I refuse to let him <laughs> golf with me anymore. Uh, yeah, he'd be a hard one to try to teach on the golf course because he'd have too many questions. That's the one <laughs> thing about Donnie is I feel like he always asks so many questions and, and you're right. Like even for me, when getting drafted in 95 and coming to Buffalo to work out, who took care of us? It was Don and Diane. Like yeah. we're a bunch of 18 year olds and it was them that, that really helped and shaped us and molded us into. And I remember one year in the apartment, they were putting us in the sink was leaking. And I called Don at home and I said, our sink is leaking. He goes, it's not my problem. <laughs> and I, I'm like, well, you got to help. He goes, what are you going to do when you turn pro? And you have a leaky sink in your like apartment, like call the apartment maintenance and get them to come up and fix it or whatnot. And so it, that's one of the things that he did for us that I always remember. It may be as simple as a leaky sink or whatnot, but there were so many uh, more. Um, when he, when Donnie, did you leave the organization before Don or did he leave before you? I left, I think uh, a year I think it was a year before, maybe two years before Donnie, but uh, yeah. my, my, the year that I left, we'd lost uh, two other people uh, or three other people that year, I believe. We lost Ross Mahoney, or don't quote me on that one. Ross Mahoney might've left for Washington Capitals the year before, but I know uh, Daryl Plandowski left us uh, for Tampa Bay and Jimmy Benning left us for, for uh, Vancouver. Vancouver, yeah. We, 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 had a, we, had a, we had a pretty good scouting staff here. You, you, you think about it, Ross Mahoney, assistant general manager, Larry Carrier, assistant general manager, Jimmy Benning, general manager, Daryl Plandowski, director of player personnel with Tampa at the time and now Arizona, and not to mention Lucy, you know. Pretty good group. It's a yeah. really, really While good While you're still group. in the game, you got to know something to stay. I mean, your, your knowledge is amazing and your, obviously your ability to just transition seamlessly and work so well with others is 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 has always been on display marty i have a feeling that you wanted to cap our oh, i have our to. opportunity today to speak with this stanley cup winner 
with some this or that's. I have to, this and that. Every time I call Terry or I see him, he's always like, look, it's this and that. There he is. So I, I, I have to, um, and, and maybe they're not um, accurate in the way that I, I may ask a question. You may have a different option. So I'll give you this, that, and the other thing. And the other thing could be whatever you want. But for example, in Buffalo, played with Gilbert Perot. Um, in Toronto played with Daryl Settler. So this or that, which one was, I don't want to say the best player, the better player, but which one had the bigger impact on your game? Well, I think biggest impact at that particular time was, listen, I was never going to play with, with, uh, with Rick Martin and Renny Robert and Gilbert Perot. So I had an opportunity to play with Daryl Settler and Wolfie Paymont in Toronto. Wow. Uh, but uh, there's no question Gilbert was the most talented player that I ever played with. Okay. Um, this and that. And, and and look, I believe you did have a punch uh, boat in Buffalo and in, uh, oh no, Buffalo you were in after, right? So. Um, um, punch drafted me and punch traded for me. Okay. So where, that's why I was going to ask, where was Punch better, in Buffalo or in Toronto, this or that? I would say Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say that because I feel like if it was going to be Toronto all the time, um, you know, our fan base is going to be upset about that. Um, Don Luce talks about how he and, and Tim Hortons would go and get and taste like donuts and they like the sweets on the road. So what were you like on the road? Was it a steak and baked potato, big dinner, or the sweets and the desserts like this or that, which one did you like best? Obviously steak and baked potato, but uh, listen, Don Luce has got the sweetest tooth I, that I know. He's oh, yeah. a, him and Billy Height are the, they're junkies with for when it comes to chocolate. Well, that he, Donnie told a story about how him and uh, and Tim Hortons would get on the road, and instead of going for dinner, they'd go and and taste like all these pastries because Tim had this idea and had this business back home that he wanted to continue to grow. And um, and going to his house in the summertime, they'd be in the pool, and Tim Hortons would come out with freshly baked donuts to try for them to taste, so that he would have them in his restaurants. Right, like that. That yeah. is uh, that is pretty cool. Um, okay, um, old school rinks like the odd the Forum, the Chicago Stadium, or this new buildings that are amazing, like Vegas, uh, you know, Staples, well, Crypto.com Arena, like these new buildings. What, what's better for you, old school or new school rinks? I like the old school because uh, different size arena, you could, you could build your team differently depending on the size of your rink, uh, where now they're pretty much all the same, you know, so you, there's a lot, I don't want to say vanilla, in the buildings, but uh, you know, back in the day, oh man, you went into the Boston Garden, man, you got beat up pretty good in the Boston Garden and Chicago Stadium, obviously the organ and the, and the horn and that was intimidating. Yeah. You know, the odd, as we all know, was unique in itself. You know, the fans were right on top of you. The boards would slingshot you off. You got hit into the boards and there was nothing better to go on Saturday night going to Montreal or or Maple Leaf Gardens at the old form. Uh, I don't know. Did you ever play as a visitor in, in Rochester? Did you ever have to go down yeah. the basement to the locker room? Sure so, did. The worst, sure did. 
worst stairs uh, coming out of the locker room? Is that Chicago Stadium or the uh, Rochester uh, War Memorial back in the days? Well, R Rochester's, you, you sort of, it wasn't straight up. Like Chicago Stadium was straight up, a, a steep a steep incline. <laughs> where Rochester, you sort of, a couple of turns. I would have to say Chicago was tougher. <laughs> You're probably a little bit winded uh, yeah. after you uh, you come out of the locker room to get the game started. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I never got to experience that. Now I know, and I don't know, uh, with pizza in Rochester, you guys must have done some crazy stuff to the visiting team as they were coming in off the bus uh, and, uh, you know, and, and all the shenanigans of the AHL. Um, last but not least for me, um, you did, as I said, play a few games in Quebec few games in Edmonton and a very few games in Minnesota. So does that or the other thing, the one place where you wish out of those three that could have worked out because you really like that setup, that team or that, uh, that city. Well, obviously that would be Edmonton because I had, <laughs> I had, I had got picked up on the waiver draft from Edmonton the year after they had won their first Stanley cup. So they were up and coming and, uh, and uh, it would have been nice to stay there. Uh, although they made a hell of a trade with Minnesota. They got Mark Napier and they got Terry Martin and Gord Sherman. <laughs> I think, I, I think Edmonton made out all right on that deal. Yeah. yeah not was, too bad. Eh, Duffer? Not pretty too good, bad. pretty good decade for them. There's no question about that. Uh, Terry, last one for me. How, how do you think you've changed uh, in your, in your game reports? Now, after all these years, how, how do you view, if at all, do you, do you feel like you view players differently and, and focus on different things with them? Um, yeah, you do, you, you do now, because obviously there's more skill, skill involved, obviously. So you're looking for the skill mainly now, but don't get me wrong. There's still a place in the game for, for, for some other people. And I'll give you an example. We traded for Curtis McDermott, arguably the toughest guy in the National Hockey League. Um, he didn't get in any, any uh, playoff games for us, but uh, at our Stanley Cup parade, I made a point to go up and say, you were a huge part of this hockey club because you got us through the regular season. And as we all know, the, the 82 game regular season is a grind and you need guys that will go out there and protect some of your players. So I, there's always room for one of those guys still. Hey, what was uh, the parade like? The parade was unbelievable. Uh, there was, they estimate somewhere between 400 and 500,000 people in downtown Denver. Uh, they had, I think it was 25 fire engines of, you know, family and players and scouts and wives and management team were on top of it. It was, it was, it was pretty impressive. Now, I, I guess I should have asked that at the start of the interview, but I'll ask you now, when you were given the opportunity to grab the cup, and or kiss the cup or just hug it like what did you do and what was that feeling like well uh we wanted in tampa on the sunday night so the team flew home on monday obviously we were all out in denver still we didn't go to tampa so we had a get together with the with the players at, at a local bar restaurant and I, I hoisted it that night and uh it's you know, I think, like I keep saying, things happen so quickly, you know, you, it takes a while to soak in. It takes a while to soak in, but it is a pretty good feeling.
That's so I can cool. always tell if you're anybody is right-handed or left-handed because usually if they're right-handed, the right hand goes on the small part of the cup and then the left hand grabs underneath or the other way around. Do you remember which way you grabbed it? Oh, I know which way I grabbed it. I okay. grabbed it by the, by the bowl because I'm having an issue with my arm and uh, I got it up there and I told the guys before I got to make sure when my, if my left arm starts to sink a little bit here, I'm going to grab it. <laughs> Because it's, it's, it's 35 and a half pounds, but it felt like 350 pounds. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Was I'm there sure. still a dent in it when you saw it? <laughs> yes, there was. Yes, there was. <laughs> and, uh, and, there, and there was a, another dent a couple nights later, too. Yeah, with well, your boy, Curtis McDermott, had a that little bit of correct. a fall at the bar, too. That's so it's Nick Obikubel, right? Uh, yep. Joining the guys in the team picture that put the first yeah. dent in it, but... Yeah. Um, oh my God. What I'm sure there's plenty of stories about the parties, the celebrations. Um, I just saw a video of Kel McCarr, uh, in Calgary. Uh, he will take a part in one of the professional golf tour events or whatever as a pro-am and whatnot. And he's talking about having a day with the cup and, you know, it's such a, a special thing for our sports, our league, but having a chance to celebrate as a team, I'm sure for you and, and everybody with Colorado had to be ultra special because you're all together as, as a group being able to celebrate your achievement. Yes, yes. And I'll tell you a quick story. One of the highlights for me with the Stanley Cup was on, uh, so we won it on Sunday, Tuesday. It would have been Wednesday night. We had a, a, a get-together management and uh, scouting staff over at Joe Sackick's house. And he had some of his neighbors there. So we're, and obviously it's, it's a nice, beautiful home. And I'm in, I'm in one room. And the next thing I hear D Daniel Perrier, who's one of our other pro scouts, he says, David Duvall's here. David Duvall's here. He, he's got the claret jug with him. And I said, come on, he, David Duvall is not here. And he doesn't have the claret jug with you. And, <laughs> and, and, and you have to know Daniel Perrier. He is a, he's a very, very an avid golfer. So sure enough, we we'll walk out there and, Who's there but David Duvall and yeah. a replica of the of the claret jug because he had won the British Open in 2001. Yeah. So uh, we were we were all getting our picture taken with the claret jug just as much as we were the Stanley Cup because it, it, because as you know hockey players love to golf. Yeah. So but one of the coolest pictures they put the claret jug inside the Stanley Cup and had the picture taken. So uh, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. What a perfect way to cap the uh the year and uh obviously you mentioned that uh you may dial it back a little bit on the man hours put in here moving forward but uh the game will never leave you as i'm sure you will never leave the game correct that is correct and uh, i will see you guys at our alumni golf tournament on the 22nd at Can't Park country club and i will see you down at the rookie tournament on september 14th or 15th 15th it is 15th, 15th. so Thank you, Terry. Congratulations once again. Thank you very much, guys. Marty, it truly never gets old. Not only discussing the game with people who have been in it for such a long period of time, yeah. but more importantly, seeing the smile of a first-time winner. Just the, 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 the look on his face when I asked him about lifting the cup or oh, he said hoisting the cup because that's what you do. You hoist the Stanley Cup. You don't lift it. 
Uh, and said that's 35 pounds, but it felt a lot heavier. That's funny because I never did, right? And I hope one day I get to do it. So that's one thing. But also uh, the, the eyes lighten up and the smile when he talks about Donald Odette and some of the other players, Don Luce, uh, and so many more. Like these hockey memories, we could have talked to him for three hours and still not uh, just scratch the surface of, uh, of his uh, memories and his time in hockey. Absolutely. Our thanks to Terry Martin for joining us on Sabres Live Overtime. Thanks to you as well. And of course, we'll see you soon. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos.